Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Tito Gaudio is 64 years old. You want to put him in freaking Sing Sing? What is Pete Thamel. These guys feel like they can, like, rig the multi-billion dollar system. Basically, and, like, use Louisville's athletic department as a slot machine for, like, a, a soft getaway. And SI's Pat Forty. Three federal investigations in 12 years. Three federal investigations, criminal <laughs> investigations of a basketball program. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Uh, I want to read from this little article I found. This uh, article on the interwebs states this, uh, which brings us to the existential question that could be germane to both an infractions committee and everyone else with a stake in college athletics. Does the world really need Louisville men's basketball? (laughs) (laughs) Who wrote that? Pat, what the hell? Yes, we need Louisville men's basketball. What? This is the worst article you've ever written. What are we going to do for comedy? What are we going to do for off-season topics if we don't have the Louisville men's basketball program? And here you are on SportsIllustrated.com trying to advocate for the elimination of our greatest running bet gag since the chicken war started. <laughs> what? Explain yourself. I wasn't thinking of the pod. I apologize for my lack of sensitivity to the pod. That is true. That, that If we can't have anything else in a dry May weekday, you know, that we always have Louisville basketball to step on a rake and hit itself in the face with the handle. <laughs> I mean... God bless them. God love them. Three federal investigations in 12 years. Three federal investigations, criminal <laughs> investigations of a basketball program in three in 12 years. See, I, you took the whole wrong approach, Pat. This was so. this was lame for a federal investigation. Like if you're going to have a federal investigation and you're Louisville, this was like the dumbest one. It's going to be gone in like a little wisp of a news cycle. We barely even get to talk about it on the pod. If you're going to have a federal investigation, you need some sort of like blackmailing from a restaurant tryst and then foisting the woman off on your strength coach. You need call (laughs) girls. You need real live things. This is like a this was like a fifth grade patty cake playground fight. So I think you took the totally wrong approach to your column. I'm disappointed. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're taping today. I've been castigated by both of my yes, pod Yes, yes, yes. 
No, it's a fine column. Makes all germane points for reasonable people. (laughs) (laughs) I would think anyone who actually like even pretends to care about the collegiate model uh, would be a slightly uh, concerned that there's a basketball program that keeps being involved with the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, uh, here we are. You know, so just as a recap, if you are not up on it. Uh, Louisville did us a, did us a favor again. Uh, assistant basketball coach, former assistant basketball coach Dino Gaudio, indicted for extorting the Louisville basketball program and head coach uh, Chris Mack. Now, Dino Gaudio is a long, long time uh, assistant coach. Uh, he worked with Pete Gillen and, and Skip Prosser. I think he and Skip, the late Skip Prosser, taught school together in like West Virginia. He was the head coach at Wake Forest for a little while, head coach at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, uh, had kind of been out of the game. He once recruited Chris Mack to to Xavier. Uh, this, so this is this is a family deal. This is like the, I don't know if it's the Gillen family or the Prosser family, but it's a family tree. And um, Chris Mack brings Dino Gaudio back last year to be an assistant coach. Uh, they have a terrible year. They go 13 and nine, miss the tournament. It's a, and this is really like their window to get in. Bad season. And Dino Gaudio basically gets fired or some, some, there is a termination of some sort, a split. Dino Gaudio is angry at this. He's basically uprooted his life to come help his former player. I'm surmising some of this. Turney says he was angry. He starts demanding uh, 17 months of salary or the lump sum equivalent. Or else he will reveal that Louisville is violating NCAA rules by basically having grad grad students coach and practice and making these recruiting videos. Fairly small violations, but when you're when you're racked them up like like Louisville had, I mean it's another log on the fire, right? But it's 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 a big. And then Chris Mack uh, turns him into the uh, basically wears a wire. It, it appears. <laughs> According to this indictment, <laughs> and bust Dino Gaudio. Now, Dino Gaudio's attorney admits this was. I think what what was the quote he had for you, Pat? Uh, uh, he was he's, very angry that he's, day. He's hurt. He's angry. He said some things he regrets. Yeah, I mean it's all on tape, so he's not denying any of it. So he's he's guilty of this this crime, I guess, of extortion. But this is a serious. You heard the term making a federal case. <laughs> okay, so yes. Now I don't know all the details. We don't know Chris Mack's point of view here. So I I'm going out a little bit on a limb here, but one of my initial reactions is what the hell, Chris Mack? Did you have to call the <laughs> FBI on this? Like Tito Gaudio is 64 years old. You want to put him in freaking sing sing? What is <laughs> Yeah, couldn't you just have brought the tape to compliance? Hey, what? there seemed to be a very easy route to making this go away, you know, that they chose not to take. The first is, okay, Dino, F you, you're getting no money. Secondly, I believe you just threatened us. Get out of here. And then you turn over the tape to compliance and you call Indianapolis and say, hey, we got a situation. Instead, you go to the feds. I mean, and, and, and then it literally blows up into a federal case that just becomes this Huge thing. Extortion is the headline again for Louisville basketball. No other basketball program has ever had one extortion case. Louisville's had two. <laughs> Louisville, the national leader Hang by the far, the UCLA. Yeah. 
I mean, at least Chris, at least Patino was like getting busy at the restaurant. He wasn't just getting like extra dudes in practice. <laughs> at least Patino got something out of this. <laughs> he, he got a lot out of it. I still think one of the most underrated stories in the history of college sports is that Patino had his strength coach marry the woman to protect him <laughs> from the extortion that came. Like that to me is still like mind bending. Like if you yeah, if you read I, that in a novel or it was like a plot line in The Sopranos, you'd be like, no way, <laughs> no way. Yeah. Patino yeah. yeah. wasn't Nobody. true love. Tim, yeah. sorry for hey Tim. Come here, come here. I need you to marry. Love this woman. works in what? mysterious ways, <laughs> Pete. The heart wants what it wants. <laughs> Yeah, when we're ranking your extortion cases, <laughs> I just I don't know how you send this guy you've known since you were like 18. Uh, yeah, like, trust me, that that was the reaction of some people. Uh, maybe uh, there's a good sure. reason. I'm not completely tr just stomping on this because I, I got to know more. But it's just like, wow, that escalated. Uh, really? Yeah. You couldn't have sat down at some point and been like, dude, you're not getting your 17 months. If you ask again, I'm taking this tape and I'm going to the FBI. Right. And I would think Dino Gaudio, who I've known a long time, he's a very like intelligent guy, would say, all right, dude, all right, backing off. I don't need that. But geez, rough down there, man. They're just, you know, who's really happy? You know, who's got to be the biggest fans of Louisville? The absolute number one fans are the real criminals of Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> There are people embezzling money. There are people yeah. robbing liquor stores, They're yeah, yeah. Running drugs. Yeah, even down that. And law enforcement is spending all their time over at the U of L basketball facility. <laughs> yeah. You're like diverting resources. The community has got to be quite unsafe, Pat. Are you worried? <laughs> hey, there was actually supposedly in, in one of the adjacent neighborhoods to mine, there were like car thieves that on the run yesterday. So, yes, uh, clearly. If law enforcement weren't so busy dealing with Louisville basketball, they would have caught up with these car thieves. I thought one of the interesting things about this was like you spend enough time around college basketball and covering college basketball like we all have. We, we've probably collectively spent 75 years of our careers covering college basketball. And Thanks for bringing that up, Pete. Thanks. Yes. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, no problem. No problem. Dan did Dan did a great job as uh, Moses Malone's beat writer when he was in high school. So um, <laughs> you, you spend this much time around and you get like a little window into the psyche of the coach. Right now, none of us like if we if we had a podcast last week, we were going to rank like the most unscrupulous people in college basketball. Dino Gaudio wouldn't have been on any list. Right. No, he's a no. fairly benign figure in the game. He was a mediocre head coach. He was a longtime assistant. He was a not that great broadcaster, but he's just sort of like a, a, a regular. This isn't some like nefarious guy who everybody whispers about at the final four. He's just a just a completely benign character in the cast of college basketball. And Dino Gaudio, because I think of like some of the, the, the transactional culture of basketball gets in his mind that he could just get 17 free months salary. Like, <laughs> can you imagine going to your corporate bosses at Sports Illustrated or ours at Yahoo and just randomly demanding after your dismissal an extra year of pay? Like, 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 think about the years that have to twist your brain to the point where that seems like it's okay. And I'm sure Dino Gaudio was like, I don't know that was illegal. You know, just like in the federal basketball case, all these guys were like, I had no idea this was illegal. Like, that's just that everything is a transaction. Every player is a transaction. Every, like, game that's scheduled is a transaction. And these guys feel like they can, like, 
rig the multi-billion dollar system basically and like use Louisville's athletic department as a slot machine for like a, a soft getaway. Yeah, that's, well, that's a heck point. of a point, really. Sport of blackmail. It is completely a blackmail <laughs> sport. Yes. Yes. Just, it everything's is. blackmailed. Yeah. Everybody's dirty. So what can you hold over somebody? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Probably works most of the time. But <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know. Think, it, how many stories have we heard combined of you know, player X was getting paid by school Y or or shoe company Y, but then went to someone else. It's like, hey, you're going to try to get your money back? Hell no, you're not, because you can't. So, yeah, we're going to take money from everybody, and then we're going to go to the highest bidder. Most Most of the investigative stories that we've done in our career, at least me, is somebody coming who's in a grieved party, and they don't go. This is basically what Dino Gotti was going to do. I'm going to go to the media. Chris mm-hmm. Mack could have gone to the media and tried to skirt back, like double back. Off, but it's all just aggrieved parties coming to you as the sure as the, you know, hey, yep. look, I got this dirt on this guy or that. And you either ignore it or if it's good enough. And there's like an Ashley's furniture account involved. Uh, you stole my like that. joke. I was going to say now oh. we have aggrieved <laughs> furniture companies like Ethan <laughs> Allen is pissed at <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> the Ethan Allen line, Pat, I got like 10 texts about this week, by the way. That, uh, that could be the best. The best line in pod history that Ethan Allen is the name of a Duke walk on. That was that was that was very funny. That was- Who knew we'd we'd have the chance to make jokes about furniture stores, though? That's what yes. college basketball. You were ready, does Pat. Though you were you were born ready. Like you 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 had that Dude, this is on a joke podcast in your pocket where we discuss the fighting uh, the strategy you would employ if you fought a bald eagle. Anything can happen on this podcast, and that wasn't the most absurd moment of the podcast. All right. In in reality, wh- how much trouble is Louisville? These are not big charges, but I mean, Louisville is. I, I wrote a column a couple years ago that Louisville wasn't too happy with, but literally, if you read the death penalty statute, it is exactly designed for what Louisville basketball is doing. Like four months after they got busted and put on probation for stripper gate, you have Brian Bowen Sr. alleging he got paid by an assistant coach at Louisville. Now, that is in dispute. There's also, you can argue, but if the NCAA finds that credible, and it wasn't federal testimony, if they find that credible, like, that's your repeat offender. You literally waited four months. The exact same coaching staff, the exact same people just kept cheating. They could be put on the death penalty. I don't think they will, but I don't know. How close? I mean, they're really they're really trying. Let me put they, it that way. That's the thing. <laughs> yes. They, they, Nobody they, wants to do this, but man, they are really just poking, poke, poke, poke. Right. Pat, yeah, what's mean, the chances these guys get got? Yeah, I, I don't think so, but you are, yes, you are, you are the law, the the rule book, rule manual definition of repeat offender who keeps offending. You know, I mean, it's just like now we have part three. Part two is bad. Now we have part three. Part three is not that bad, but it is part three. That's the thing. And I think, you know, that what it probably boils down to, like the video thing, eh, not that big a deal. Recruiting videos, supposedly, that were being made. And supposedly, Dino Gaudio was the one instructing the video guy to make them. So that makes it even better. That's that's reported, at least. <laughs> but the other thing, using graduate assistants in practice, how were they being used? Were they playing or were they instructing and if it was a regular thing where they were instructors and they were helping teach practice and chris max watching them in practice and and other people involved know this violation is happening eh, then you then you've got a bigger problem then that could end up being a level two violation which 
Level two is bad. Level one is real bad. Level two is bad. If it's level three, not that bad. And, and you can probably just figure that, okay, the, the Committee on Infractions is just going to be extra disgusted to see us here again. But if it's level two, then you got an issue. So, like, I'm just picturing the uh, NCA investigators r- rolling down I-65, grizzled old guys, gals, whoever they are. And they're like, all right. We've driven down this road to, like, go to a whorehouse. We've driven down this road to go to an Italian <laughs> restaurant to talk to a woman who extorted the coach. And now they want us to go watch practice video? Practice video? Because GAs were, like, instructing, like, talking about how to break a one two two zone press? Like, come on. I don't know. It's bad. Of course it's bad. When you do take over a program like Chris Mack did, and they paid him handsomely to do it, and he will be handcuffed eventually by the sins of his predecessors, we think, um, sometime in 2027 when the NCAA decides to make a decision. Certainly there could be repercussions from this, but this isn't even like – this is like walking across half the crosswalk jaywalking. You know what I mean? It's not even like full-fledged. It was like they, they like went out, of the, went, they went out of the line. So I understand it in context and why it's a big deal. I have a, a hard time like really seeing it do uh, – having a significant consequence other than just being another embarrassing moment for Louisville basketball in a like long litany of them. As, as NCAA infraction cases go at Louisville, this is like Godfather three, like, (laughs) you know, your first two absolute blockbusters stand the test of time. And then you get all pumped up. You hear hear extortion (laughs) charges and you're excited. And then you're like, eh, man, that's all you got. You know, come on. Why could that is Sophia Coppola acting in this? This is terrible. It's ruined the whole thing. Dino Gaudio is the villain. Come on. Do not put them on probation. We need you. <laughs> yeah, I take back the whole column. Never mind. We, for right, thank, you, Pat. thank you. How is your column received in Louisville, Pat? Where oh, you live? very poorly. Very, very <laughs> poorly. <laughs> Just yeah. checking. Oh, no, no. Better I mean, in Lexington than Louisville, I imagine. Yeah, it is funny in Lexington where they were convinced, you know, I've been convinced for years that I just hate Kentucky. Now, all of a sudden, it's it's turned around. Oh, he's always hated Louisville. Always hated Louisville. (laughs) You know how that goes. Uh, You longtime Kentucky homer, Pat. We've seen that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me and Cal like this. All right. Interesting little story came out yesterday uh, from CBS Sports that uh, Matt Campbell, the Iowa State football coach, our beloved football coach, was offered and turned down uh, an eight-year, $68.5 million contract to coach the Detroit Lions. The Ames water <laughs> kept him. <laughs> he said, NFL job, full control, $68 million? He- Hooray, Ames. <laughs> Get your weak-ass Detroit Lion offer out of here. I'm out here in Ames. Uh, the best part is uh, Dan Campbell, who they eventually hired, who we need to get to the college. We may adopt oh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. It, er, earlier this week, he said he went to the owner of the Lions and asked if he could get a pet lion <laughs> and they could have a pet lion he could walk around with. Like, th- I mean, just an absolute maniac. This is a college coach at the end. We're going to adopt the Detroit Lions as they basically play like a college team. So. He got hired, and one of his jokes was uh, he told his agent, one of the things I told my agent, I said, make sure that they think I'm Matt Campbell. <laughs> so I think that's how it really worked out great for me, Dan Campbell said. He told, the, I think, the Detroit Free Press, now that I'm in the seat, I'm Dan Campbell, but I know this, you can't go wrong with a Campbell. So he's admitting he was the second choice in the second Campbell. 
<laughs> Can't go wrong with a Campbell. Maybe Glenn Campbell? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. All right, so Chicken Matt noodle Campbell, soup, obviously. tomato soup. We'll just All take right. one of these. Yeah, Matt Campbell has done a, a, a nice job at Iowa State. I, I, I think he's an ex- exceptionally promising coach. Still, I mean, there's still something to prove here, and this yes. is the big year. In the history, not going to the Detroit Lions is generally always a good idea. So, but this certainly ramps up the interest coaching-wise in Matt Campbell. It's one thing if a college program, but if all of a sudden the NFL teams are willing to throw eight-year, eight-year, nearly $70 million contract, more than Matt Rule got. Uh, I don't know what Urban got, but what's it say about Matt Campbell? Is interesting, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on this story came out? Dennis Dodd at CBS reported this. Yeah, I mean, it's that's very interesting. It, I, like Matt Campbell has, you know, been a guy the NFL has liked for a lot of years, but has always really struck me as a pretty quintessential college guy. You know, I mean, he's he's from the Mount Union tree and, you know, seems to very much believe in college football and all of the stuff that goes into team building at that level. I, I guess, I, I mean, I'm surprised anybody would turn down eight years and nearly $70 million for anything. But at the same time, this seems like Matt Campbell, you know? And I, I mean, the fact that he has been willing to stay at Iowa State, he's had many other opportunities just within college football and turn those down tells me that this guy's wired a bit differently. He is not sitting there just thinking about where can I make the biggest splash? It's like, this is this is my program. I have built this program. I'm still building this program. I'm happy to be here. I like college football. And I mean, if hooray for Ames. That's for damn sure. For for keeping Matt Campbell away from, from a payday like that and trying to do something that historically has basically been impossible, which is to win big at Iowa State or a place like Iowa State. Can't you see like Matt Campbell, like with his car packed in his SUV in a snowy Ames night and he's about to leave town and then the headlights like gleam on the Ames water department and he starts to like cry a little bit. <laughs> I can't get, do it. Like, I can't the, do it. He's turning around. The guy comes outside and gives him like a little Dixie cup of that fresh Ames tap and he just says, you know what? I can't leave this. Uh, I think I think there's so many others too. I mean, you got the, the remember there's like that choir they hype up. There's oh, a, yeah. <laughs> there, uh, there's a restaurant. I know a place on on Main. There's an actual restaurant on Main Street. I know that's a novel concept for a city. <laughs> uh, so we need to play the song again. I, I don't think we've played one the of song my favorite lately. lines is, "Oh, you're hungry? We got a, we got a place on Main. Really, Main Street has a restaurant in a town. I, Who knew? In a college town." <laughs> Uh, I I will say that uh, I made a call or two about this when I saw it yesterday because it's an oddly specific rumor, right? It wasn't like oh they had interest. It was you know it was it was it was very very specific. And I think the fairest way to say this is a couple NFL teams kicked the tire on Matt Campbell. He was committed to staying. I I it was not my perception that it went this far down the road where it was sixty eight and a half million. There were places that wanted him, but it never really got to the point where you're you're just not like. If you're an NFL team hiring a college coach, like you gotta you gotta get him pretty interested before you start throwing that kind of lumber around. So 
that that would be that would be my read of that. And the Lions also interviewed it tried to interview like a lot of people in this cycle, like a lot, lot, lot of people. I know three or four other college coaches that were like, yeah, the Lions called this offseason. The Lions called. So there's some truth at the root of the interest. I'm not sure once you go, get up to that eight million a year deal, uh, how, how real that was. All right. Other story this week that I uh, was interested in. We talked about before Stanford. Pat, maybe you have some insight here. If not, I'm going to put you in a tough position, maybe. They were originally going to dump 11 programs during COVID. They are now bringing them back. They're not cutting their 11 programs. They have 36 teams at Stanford. They are not citing the anger from the various sports alumni, of course. They're just saying uh, they're citing an improved financial picture with increased fundraising potential. They put all their money in Bitcoin, but now, I don't know, hopefully that wasn't. So they will have to fundraise, and they're going to keep their 36 full sports. What happened? And then I'll, then I'll play the, uh, the mean devil's advocate here. But what, what, what happened, Pat? There what we do you go. Got? The, the, the joyless get rid of those non-revenue sports, devil. Uh, anyway. It's coming. Uh, it's coming. Okay. I'm sure it is. Uh, sources tell me that around 10 a.m. Pacific time in the Governor's Corner Suites, which is the area where the athlete, most of the athletes stay, that there was screams of joy all of a sudden coming out of the various rooms when people started getting informed that their sports were being saved. So it was a great day for Olympic sport athletes at Stanford, for sure. You know, they had fought and fought and fought. And I mean, they they ratcheted up the pressure. One thing you're going to get at Stanford, you're going to get smart, motivated people who know how to organize, who know how to crank up pressure. And the 36 Sports Strong group, uh, which was the ones that were that really put the screws to Mark Tessier-Levine, the, the president of Stanford, got it done. And I mean... Like the, the teams, they, they're not afraid necessarily of self-expression at Stanford. So like field field hockey, they tape black tape across the word Stanford on their jerseys. Wrestling, they turn their singlets inside out. Like we're not even representing Stanford here anymore. And they had a guy that won a national championship. Men's gymnastics, which is not even one of the sports that's on the block. We're wearing Stave, Save Stanford Sports 36 Strong uh, sweatshirts when they won the national title. You know, there was a lot of pressure applied and when they got face to face with the president they won the day and the president uh said all right we're not we're, we're going to keep these sports and i you know i think that this is a school that does not have the athletic budget of texas texas a&m ohio state anything like that they have other resources that are probably actually are unmatched in power five in terms of academic resources and endowment we have if you talk about that 27.7 billion dollar endowment what they did, I think, basically, they said, all right, you want to keep these sports? You raise money to keep them. And, and they went around and they did. And people that had interest in those sports, alums and others, said, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll give you money for 10 years at least to keep these sports going. And so that's where we are. And I think this is a, a, a great day for Olympic sports everywhere. And it also will keep up the pressure. We'll see. Michigan State is having a conference call today with people trying to save Michigan State swimming. Pressure is being applied by a lot of people. If you make these decisions, you are going to have to justify them and stand behind them through a lot of blowback at various schools. 
So we tease Pat a lot about his his swimming, right? But I, I do give him credit for this. I've had multiple ADs tell me, like, in terms of, like, referencing cutting swimming programs, they're like, well, we know we'll hear it from 40. So good for yeah. you, Pat, for keeping the, for keeping the pressure on the on these guys. Like, there, there's, especially at Stanford, there's no reason, because these sports can go get privately funded, right? Like, there's no reason these sports should be uh, sh- should be cut. So we uh, we, we appreciate that. And, and we have seen of the... Sports cut in this sort of pandemic-inspired purge, right? Like it was like, oh, we're short on money. I would say a good quarter of them have come back in some way or another. Is that a fair estimate? This is this is completely non-math, anecdotal, reading the D1 ticker kind of the kind of thing. And I don't track that space as much as Pat does. And I know Ross Dellinger has done a good job writing about uh, cut, cut sports there. But it does seem like. A lot of ADs thought they're like, oh, this pandemic, we can get rid of them. And then, you know, there, there's lives at stake and there's scholarship at stake and there's life's work, work at stake. And cutting sports is really hard and really complicated. And we're seeing that play out in real time. You want to know what's really hard? Getting into Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. Less less than 4% acceptance rate. One of the uh, One of the most difficult schools in America to get into. And so here is where I play. Uh, devil's advocate, although I tend to agree with the devil. Why <laughs> am I celebrating some of this? I, 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 great for those athletes and they stand up for themselves and they want to compete. But what, what is a, what is a sailing team? What is a squash team other than a set aside for the most privileged young students, and I'm going to speak generally, you can probably pull somebody out of here who came from some tough background and somehow got in the uh, sailing program at Sag Harbor or something. (laughs) (laughs) But you have a side door into Stanford University if you are an elite sailor when sailing is available to virtually nobody in this country. So there, when I see this and I say, oh, we're going to save these sports, I see... X number of kids, whether it's 50, 100, 200, I don't know how many kids on all, whatever teams I personally, and this is how it should be, deemed, I personally deem uh, unacceptable. Because I, I don't have a problem with all the sports. It doesn't have to be just revenue. But what, how is, like, the sailing team, why do these kids get a bump? Because they can sail. And if you're just a kid trying to get into Stanford and you happen to live in Kansas, that isn't open to you. Look at the high schools where some of these kids come from. I don't see it as a positive always. Well, they need a chance to compete, to go home and sail in the summer at your dad's yacht club. That's, I mean, this is sailing. This is squat. These are not normal sports. This is old school, elitist country club sports, prep school sports. So we set some spots aside and somebody gets in. That's what that whole USC scandal revealed to me. So I'm, I'm fine with the kids, but to me, if I'm Stanford, I'm like, this isn't Stanford is a extremely progressive place. I don't know how I, I can't wrap my mind around it that I'm supposed to be celebrating this or or that a, a extremely progressive place would be celebrating this academic side door to get in. So all the kids still get in, but you have a route. You're getting recruited and pulled in to go because you are a great sailor. And that that. There ain't any sailing programs in the high schools of Detroit, let alone the high schools of most even wealthy suburbs in this country. It is the elite of the elite that are playing squash and sailing and fencing and some of this stuff. So why am I wrong? I, I just I, 
Maybe you're not wrong, but I just can't believe that this is like celebrated by the same people who seem to have a, 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 a progressive mentality on so many other subjects. Well, I mean, you are hateful. Uh, let's let's that's make true. sure that's yeah. That, that's, I'm I mean, crapping on the fact that there are more sports being played. I get that, but <laughs> some kids, some kid has perfect scores on everything. Did every single thing they could do to get into Stanford and is crying because they can't get in. And if only they had had the opportunity. Their dad owned a boat. <laughs> I can't really argue with you on that front. Uh, I mean, I'm looking now at the Stanford sailing roster, and it is <laughs> Severn School, the Kincaid School, Milton Academy, Laurel Springs School, Mast Academy. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. these people are, are are from rather elite schools. Let's let's say that that this, this is not exactly you're you're not getting people out of South Central LA to come sail at Stanford. But who knows how, how many academic exceptions did they get? I'm going to guess like one, maybe. I don't know. I I would have to think that getting an academic exception for a sailing scholarship would be. I don't know about an exception, but even just you also got in, but you had a leg up on the other kid yeah. that got in. I'm not saying any of these people didn't get in on their own. Maybe somebody, like you said, maybe there's one exception. But when you apply and you're down to 3% and literally every kid in the country or all these elite kids are doing everything they can and you go, okay, do this, 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 this. And you go, well, I can't do that. I can't. I don't, I don't, I don't go to whatever those schools you just talked about. These are old. This is old school country club thinking. And it's like, oh, we'll get some... And, and I get college sports is wonderful, but do we have to have all these sports? Like how many people, how many people fence? Like there's plenty of other opportunities to do stuff. There's more competitive ping pong players and fencers in this country. Are there? Are there? You know, like what, what's, I don't know. Yeah, competitive? absolutely. Like good. Ping pong. <laughs> I think Dan just made that up. <laughs> no, no, there's actually a quite, a, it's quite a robust <laughs> ping pong market out there. It's called table yeah. tennis. Have you ever watched? Oh, the it's all fantastic! Awesome. I don't know about like America in the basement. Yeah. Why does America is there really is a robust ping pong no, market? Not, not like you bounced it off your uncle's <laughs> beer fridge. That thing. It's like these guys line up and go. I just, I'm like, come on. These these sports should not be. They should play as a club sport. There should be nothing special about it. You shouldn't get into these schools because you happen to have such immense advantages. And 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 I mean, I am hardly the one who's going to be like. Up, you know, pounding the table with Bernie Sanders on this, but like I don't get it. I don't get how Stanford falls for this thing. Having some idea about Stanford admissions, they they go out of their way to accept obviously a broad, broad demographic of people. Like I, I, I don't think they're necessarily turning away a brilliant child from the hills of Appalachia or the inner city schools in order to take a sailor three percent three percent you know what they they take a lot of people who manchester i mean uh, these schools yeah greenwich Greenwich uh, academy i mean you know like again i i'm not gonna sit here and say that there isn't uh they got a lot of kids from Greenwich Academy. I might want to Here investigate we go. the We're going to get Wessel unleashing his, what is going his on? investigative <laughs> skills on Stanford sailing. This is like when Kansas basketball used to get everyone from <laughs> Seattle. And you're like, huh. 
I want to get back to the ping pong versus fencing yeah, debate. That, that's I'm still that's not high in that. Are there more? I'm sorry. Our old colleague Martin Rogers, his kids do uh, table tennis. He was a table. It's, it's a big deal. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I, I know a, one person. It's, it's, no, a, big, it's a big deal. deal. No less. He travels all over the country to play these things. There's, it's no less of a ridiculous sport to put. You wouldn't sit there and be like, I need a table tennis. This is this is old. I just, I'm just like, I see all the people cheering it, and I'm like, God, I, I, you guys are sending a mixed message on this one. <laughs> like, hey, good sale, but you don't need the NCAA. Like, it makes no sense as a football program attached to these things to to colleges. It doesn't make any sense as a sailing team either. And then at most schools, Stanford is going to get up, get their fundraiser. But in most places, what this is about is football and basketball players who come from one, often one socio demographic, making money for a different socio demographic, so they can play sports. That's the funding comes from football, and a little bit of basketball, and you have all these other sports. I just don't. I find it a little weird. I think eventually people are going to come around to my thinking. I'm expecting a lot of hate you. Mail shall, on you this know what? Though. I'm going to mobilize I, I the sailing I'm and fencing communities limb. to come after you. They're going to be pissed. They're going to come after me with a <laughs> boat. I'm going to get. <laughs> they're going to take me out into wherever the Stanford sails out into like the harbor out there. Right, dump my body. I get it right by Alcatraz. Did you uh, did you watch the Netflix uh, special on the uh, admission scandal, Dan? Yeah. yeah. No, did you, Pat? I'm, Probably I'm afraid not. not. Pat can't. Pat doesn't know how to stream. Pat's about ten years from now. He'll he'll catch up on Netflix and be like, "This yeah. is amazing." Yeah. Pat has Netflix. He's still trying to mail back the, the disc. <laughs> right? no, not original Netflix. no, Pat's Pat's with the Oregon Duck outside the last blockbuster, trying to return a VHS. That's where Pat That's is right. knocking <clears throat> knocking on the door. That's right. I don't want to get late charges. He's, he's like, when that Netflix special goes on Blu-ray, I'm all over it. <laughs> I thought it was interesting the interplay between was it the sailing coach at Stanford and maybe we we're just talking about sailing. there was the the coach at Stanford amid all this who got rung up who actually spoke to okay, the doctor that was that, I'm sure was the sailing coach that's who got things. rung up and he and he spoke uh he kind of dumped uh Bernard Muir under the bus William Singer had like big time access into it. they tried to portray him as having big time access into Stanford athletics and into the swimming I'm sorry the sailing uh the, the sailing program you you basically got a sense through that whole documentary of just how coveted one spot at Stanford could be to a con artist who kind of found this side door to them. Like these were valuable, valuable, valuable assets that he was basically leveraging access to, to make a lot of money. And he courted that sailing coach unbelievably hard. He treated him like, you know, like as a McDonald's All-American recruit because there's just so few spots at Stanford. It was just an, it was just an interesting, it was just an interesting window I thought that was one of the more interesting windows because you heard both sides of it, too. Now, this coach was like, yeah, I talked to this guy, but I didn't really do anything. And I didn't really believe the sailing coach, quite frankly. Um, just it, it just seemed like he was he was trying to salvage uh, salvage. Spin his career it. He was a spin. Yeah. Yeah. But you like could in, see the value in this spot and how people will do anything to get this spot. And then you have these other kids who never have that chance. And I'm not talking about you had to grow up in poverty. It's just a regular kid doesn't have a sailing program. Yeah. They may not live near anything you can sail. Yeah. You may not. Yes. There probably aren't like Lawrence Lawrence High School in Kansas probably wouldn't have a good sailing. Dan, program. I dare you also are you crying tears for the kids from the Sun Belt who can't get a hockey scholarship because they don't got no hockey 
are, are we gonna are we gonna weep for them too? Sure. Sometimes you you draw the demographic <laughs> good draw, right? You you live near a body of water. Congratulations. You live in the in the does you live in the upper, the, the upper Midwest. Therefore, you play hockey. Okay, that's how that happens. Let me give you an irrefutable okay. argument to this. Okay, Pat. Yeah, I like <laughs> hockey. That's that's where we draw the line. Yes. This is why I never got into Stanford. I didn't even bother damn applying to Stanford. I only went a couple times to Stanford, and only because David Shaw let me in. <laughs> None of us Just were getting visit. into Stanford. And then they told me to yeah, leave no. immediately. And then leave immediately. I don't know. I want you to weep for the kid from Monroe, Louisiana, <laughs> who never got a chance to play hockey. Damn I it. Do. Couldn't they get into hockey Bowden. down there. There's a rink. There's a rink. They got all sorts of little minor league programs. There's a rink. Yeah, they like just the fights in Monroe. They don't actually. They don't actually like like the goal scoring or the artistry, and they don't know the offsides <laughs> rule. But they'll they'll let them drop the gloves now. All right, let me just add this very quickly. According to the United USA Table Tennis <laughs> Federation, here we go. That's a made up organization. Oh. That's like a, that's like no. a front for the North Jersey mob. The, the United the, States Table Tennis Association. Uh, 19 million Americans play for recreation. Only 9,000 members of the USATT. Yeah, 9,000 members. There are over 300 table tennis clubs affiliated. 50 of them in California. Yeah, you're you're going to make me like look up USA oh. fencing now to compare. You look up, make your case. There's a lot of table tennis out there. <laughs> that's a, California. If you go to your cousin's barbecue and play table tennis, that doesn't mean you do it competitively. That's right. <laughs> that's recreation. That's the 19 million of us that are kind of knocking it around. Martin Rogers of Fox Sports is a heck of a tennis. He was in, he Did trained really? for the Olympics. Wow. I, yeah, he can take it. He can use like a, a sandal. He can take a sandal off his foot and beat you at table tennis. He doesn't even need a paddle. I'm, it's, it's insane. He wins bar bets. That's kind of gross. <laughs> totally nuts. Totally nuts. Let's do this. Uh, exciting moments this week in college football was ESPN announced the kickoff times for their games on opening weekend. And actually the first little while, but let's just start with opening weekend. Cause what the heck it's, it's only September 4th. I don't want to, it's my thing. I don't want to look too, I want the season to come, but I want the right, summer right. to go by. So I'm always torn. But if I didn't have football starting at the end of the summer, I would, I'd be like a depressed well. wreck. Cause the only good part of like summer ending is okay. Football starts nine in Michigan. Dan, get your kids in a fencing club. Nine, yeah, nine one in, in Michigan. Traverse city. Yeah, not going to happen. You get to northern Michigan and someone comes at you with a mm. sword, you just run. Those guys, man, they know how to use those. I would not mess with anyone in northern Michigan with a sword of any any type. All right. Uh, so 3.30, we're going to get Alabama against uh, Miami and Atlanta. 3.30 on Saturday. Alabama's given 16 and a half. If you want to get your bets in early on betmgm.com. Uh, what the heck? Might as well start throwing money in before you know who's starting, who's suspended, who isn't. Uh, always good to bet early, but hey, why not? And then that night is uh, at 7.30 is Georgia versus Clemson playing in Charlotte. It's a pretty nice little double dip. Uh, Clemson is giving four. I really like Georgia in that game. Yep. I'm getting four points. I'm not going to bet yeah, now. Theoretically, yes. Just off the top of my head. But I mean, nice little daily double there to start the season. I mean, that's an exciting double. I, I, can Miami keep it close? We'll see. But, man, Clemson, Georgia to open the year. That's, I mean, that's outstanding. No, that's phenomenal. And that's I, I give credit to both schools for scheduling that way and uh, giving us that. And then 
Hey, Sunday, Notre Dame, Florida State. Uh, Monday, Louisville, Ole Miss, which won't necessarily be great, but that's I'll take that. Thursday, that opening weekend, uh, Ohio State at Minnesota. That's the Big Ten. I, I love the fact that they have thrown some splashy games up early, and they make Ohio State go on the road, usually on these Thursday night things, and of course they win, but but that's great. North Carolina, Virginia Tech on Friday. LSU at UCLA on Saturday. Uh, there's some good, good, good stuff to start the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. For the uh, for the road tripping types, uh, I know Sully always likes to go and uh, catch some games. In the city of Charlotte opening weekend, Thursday, you get a juicy little mid-major game that I'm going to gladly attend and you guys will make fun of me for. App State plays East Carolina. Now, this has not been officially confirmed yet, but I would not be surprised to see the Duke at Charlotte game move to Friday. And then Saturday, obviously, Georgia Clemson is the, uh, the the main event. So if you are a diehard like Sully and you like a few good days of ball and some tailgating and some different environments, two of those games are at Bank of America. Uh, the other, if it is indeed ends up being moved, would be at uh, UNC Charlotte, which is a pretty little campus. You ever been there? I now? have. I covered a basketball game there back, you know, a thousand years ago. With like Diego Guevara, <laughs> remember the guy? Oh yes, the no, it really might have been with Guevara? him. That's entirely possible. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a um, cool like uh, like like it really would weekend, right? Yeah, no, that's why that's why that's why I bring it yeah. up. Uh, yeah, I mean that's just like you, you could kind of you, tickets would be plenty available for the first two games. Yeah, you could get some autographs to go with your family, and yeah, like uh, and if you're just a you know, good yeah. city like and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get some good restaurants. You go to the NASCAR museum. Uh, Live pod from the te- from the parking lot. Let's do it, man. Oh, oh. I you know what we need an appearance <laughs> fee. Charlotte wants some That's real right. publicity. Yeah. Appearance fee. This is not an extortion. <laughs> this is not extortion. <laughs> but I want seventeen months of pay, or I'm not coming to your city. But I'm yes. not extorting you. Yeah. I'm not coming to the Louisville basketball. Chris Mack, stay away from me. <laughs> we have we are holding nothing over the head of the city of Charlotte. But dudes are like, hey, Chris, I was going to buy you lunch, but I didn't want you to think I was extorting you for something. I was- Maybe we just extort the people of Charlotte to invite us to their tailgates and uh, give us good barbecue. Is that fair? That'd I don't need 17 months of pay. That that makes me a little ethically queasy. But, you know, <laughs> if they had to if that's a pulled pork, I'd be like, hey, you know, we could do that. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thank you all for spending time with us. Please continue to tell your friends about us. Share us on social media. Subscribe. Leave us nice reviews. We appreciate you all. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back next week.